Hi listeners, welcome to episode four of Reach Out Parents Live. I'm Melissa Hoyer, your host and parent of a teenager. I'm really excited about this episode. Today, we're talking drugs, alcohol and parties. And I know from personal experience, this can be a pretty nerve-wracking topic. It can be hard to know whether you're doing the right thing and setting the right rules. And teenagers almost always have a different idea to us parents. But with the right tools and some open communication, things don't actually have to be so tricky. We've got Paul Dillon with us today, the expert on teenagers, alcohol and drugs in Australia. He'll be answering questions submitted via comments on Facebook where this conversation originally appeared. So, let's go. Of course, Reach Out is Australia's leading online mental health organisation which has all the tools that you and your teenager need to get you through perhaps smaller crises and bigger crises that we we all face. Uh, The information that you can find on the website is invaluable. Just trust me, it really isn't, particularly with teenagers and parents. We've got a man here today who has made this his life, talking about drugs and alcohol and teenagers. So Paul Dillon, welcome. You know a lot about teenagers and their drug use and alcohol use. So tell me about how you got involved. Well, I was a teacher first um, way back in the late 70s. And um, since that time, I kind of fell into drug and alcohol and now have my own company. And I kind of travel around the country speaking to young people. I speak at about 200 schools every year, speaking to about 120,000 young people. So, um, yeah, I have a kind of a unique kind of um, opportunity to, to speak to young people, get them to ask me questions and uh, certainly feed that back to parents. What sort of questions do they ask? Is there one sort of overriding one that you often find that kids really want to know about? Well, I think things change so quickly in this uh, in this area that um, I don't think you could say there's one question because uh, certainly trying to keep up to date with everything that's happening, kids are constantly asking about new things and trying to keep up with the names for some of these things. It's a struggle for me who yes. works in it every day. Yeah. For a parent, it must be incredibly difficult. Of course, you, you know so much about it. You've spoken about it so much. You, you constantly do your research. You've written a book. Tell us about the book. Yeah, Teenagers, Alcohol and Drugs, I wrote, I think it was published in about 2009. And that basically came out of all the questions, I'm sure some of which will come up today, um, of parents. Um, And I was kind of surprised that there wasn't a resource available for parents uh, to go and access these very, very common, commonly uh, commonly asked questions. So I put that together a number of years ago. Actually, we've got so many questions today. So we're actually going to jump into a few. And of course, if you do have a question, please, please go to the comments section on the Facebook page that you are watching right now. Okay, so Siobhan says, the advice is often to start a conversation with your teen about alcohol and illegal drugs. But I know I and many parents find that a bit daunting. As parents, how can we start that conversation? 
Well, it's incredibly important to start that conversation. And my, my, my uh, kind of uh, feel on this is that you should do it as soon as you start giving drugs to your kids, to be quite honest. We live in a society where we're giving pharmaceutical drugs to our kids very, very early. Uh, so the next time your child asks, um, you know, says, I've got a headache, you know, have a look at the medication, look at the medication, talk about, uh, you know, it says use only as directed. Those kind of uh, conversations about appropriate use are very, very powerful. Yes. But certainly, you know, with the media, we're constantly seeing stories about drugs. Uh, the key to any conversation is it has to be age appropriate. Though. Yes. And certainly if your child says, you know, puts up the shutters, shut it down. Don't push it. Are you seeing, I mean, we've worked in, the, in, the, in that world for so long. Are you seeing a decrease in alcohol and drug use with our teenagers? What, what, what's a sort of a, a generic, it's probably a it's a very hard question to probably answer, but is there a generic trend at the moment? Well, certainly around alcohol, we're seeing um, some very, very positive signs. Right. Uh, we now have the highest number of non-drinkers in our secondary schools, and we've seen um, really since records began. Uh, back in 1999, we only had one in 10 12 to 17-year-olds who had never drunk alcohol. It's now one in three. Wow. So it's quite dramatic, the change, and it's not just Australia, it's around the world. What, now, what would you put that down to? Well, I think there's a number of different factors. Certainly in Europe, where they're seeing a similar thing, they say it's got to do with better parent education. But I think it's also got to do with the fact that we're seeing young people who um, now... Uh, is social value attributed to non-drinking? Yep. Um, if you're a non-drinker, you're the person who looks after your friends. And uh, it now has social value. It doesn't have quite so much value amongst adults, but amongst young people, it's a trickle-down effect from the designated driver. It's a very powerful... Uh, uh, change that is occurring, uh, and as I said, not just in Australia but around the world. Well, that's, that's, that's good to hear because I think you know we are often bombarded with media stories about oh my God, all of our teenagers are either on drugs or they're they're or they're, or they're drunk. So I think to actually know the real truth behind it is And I think it's always important for parents to kind of look when you see a statistic of something like 10% of young people are doing this, uh, flip it over. It's yep. a really important thing to go, well, that means 90% aren't. Uh, we never talk about those young people who don't do it. We always talk about the young people who do. We look at figures in a very negative way. Um, flipping them over, the promotion of what we call the positive norms yes. is very, very powerful. I've got another question. God, they're coming in thick and fast um, from Sam. Sam says, I've heard of parents talking about giving their teenagers a small taste of alcohol because they think it will teach them about responsible drinking. What are your thoughts on that? Well, there's lots of research in this area now. I mean, certainly in the years that I've done this, we've seen the, the, the wealth of research just growing. Um, uh, it was called the Mediterranean model. I, you know, I suppose that's the best known kind of, um, kind of uh, word for it. Uh, basically, in countries like Greece, Italy and France, they give a little bit of alcohol to their, uh, um, uh, to their child, sometimes at a very early age, sometimes around five or six. Yes. And what happens is it, it's meant to teach responsible drinking. The evidence that we have in this country is that the Mediterranean model does not translate to this culture. So what you see is those young people who are given alcohol in that way actually tend to have greater problems with alcohol oh. in the future. We also have the other issue around the protective effect of alcohol, that giving alcohol to two bottles to take to a party is somehow protective. Um, there's been a fantastic study, an Australian study that was only just released last year, which really came out with some very, very strong statements at the end. There is no protective effect. No. Uh, in actual fact, if you give alcohol to your child, uh, it's actually going to um, increase the risk of other supply. They're actually going to get more as a result of that. So um, 
it's a very complex area. I wish I could just kind of say, well, parents, this is what you do. Yes. But it's not that easy. I think it's really important to look at this research and parents kind of critically examine it and yeah. have a look if it fits for them. I guess and, and, you know, we hear the expression preloading. I mean, that happens. Is that happening more and more and more? Because number one, the expense of, of, of teens going to a, a bar or a club or wherever it, that's expensive, so is it better for them, not better for them, but they think it's better value to sort of stay at home and, and load up? Yeah, there's been a few studies looking at preloading and certainly when you actually look at it, it's actually, very importantly, it's not economical. What tends to happen is if you're a little bit drunk and you go out, you tend to drink more. So, um, but in terms of very young people, we are seeing the whole kind of phenomenon of the pre, the pre-party that young people go to. Often parents don't even realise that the the, the, uh, party they're dropping their child off at, at, you know, eight o'clock at night, is not the real party that they're going to end up at. So, um, you know, it's, it's really important that parents do their homework here and uh, really do some digging before they allow their child to go somewhere. You know, make the phone call. It's really, really important. Catherine, she submitted a question here. Recently, I found a pile of whipped cream cartridges and a a cream whipper in my son's room. I've heard these are commonly known as nangs. They are known as nangs. He's 18, so he's legally allowed to purchase them, but she feels... Well, she's asking, should I feel worried about that? Well, NANGs, I suppose, uh, the uh, the product you're looking at is nitrous oxide. Yeah. Nitrous oxide's been around for a long time. It's the gas that you get when you go to a dentist. It's a gas that many women will remember very fondly during labour. Mm. Um, and uh, it can be used, um, compressed into little silver cartridges. When I was young, they were called whippets. Yep. They're now called NANGs. And if you inhale nitrous oxide, you get a very brief, uh, very brief high, 40 to 90 seconds. And what we've seen in particularly the last two years, a, a real uh, surge of interest amongst mm. sometimes very young, 12, 13-year-olds uh, are, are nanging now. And um, yeah, in reality, it's quite a low-risk drug in many ways, but we have seen deaths. Because you can, you can buy, I mean, boxes and boxes online, can't yes, you? And and that's, you I know, I've, heard, I've heard and read of examples of people buying boxes from you know, probably some, some, maybe from China and then just all arriving and they sell them off to their friends. That's right. And you can, you can get Uber services, which actually we deliver them to your door. So they're very readily accessible. Yeah, yeah. And what has also happened is it's become very popular through, um, through social media. Uh, they've yes. been able to access them. And so what happens is that they perceive them as being safe and of course things can go wrong we have had deaths they tend to be death by misadventure where a person gets intoxicated and um, either falls from somewhere or yes. hits their head but um, and also the amount I've also heard that you know if you, if you had 15 or 20 that is just absolute sort of danger territory well I, I don't actually know if that's quite quite the case but realistically I think when you start looking at young people who are doing 15, 20, 30 um, they're perceiving it as not being risky. There's, yes. there's no risk and that's when young people do uh, very dangerous things and unfortunately we have seen tragedies occur. Yeah, I mean I guess um, you know, going from Nang to something like cannabis, um, Luke, one of our viewers today, what about cannabis? A lot of people are pretty relaxed around it as it's even legal in some areas of the world as we know but how should I approach this with my teenager, the use of, of cannabis? Well, certainly we've seen a tremendous change in the attitude towards cannabis. I mean, back in the 90s, any media outlet was you know, wanting to put um, horror stories around cannabis on the front page. We very rarely see those stories anymore. 
It's got an awful lot to do with medicinal cannabis, yes. the introduction of medicinal cannabis. Um, but certainly the legalisation debate is heating up around the world. We now have two countries that have legalised it. Um, I think the important thing for a parent is to acknowledge that there, there is harm associated with cannabis. Um, not for everyone. What we know is about one in ten people who use cannabis will have a significant problem with the drug. Um, the vast majority don't. And that's, make, that's what makes it really difficult to talk about because if you go down the kind of the hard line, yes. it will cause all of these problems. Kids can take five seconds to look on the internet and kind of disprove it. So you've got to have a very balanced approach here. And what are potentially some of those long-term issues that, that, that can affect you if you are using cannabis for you know, a relatively long amount of time? Well, I think we have to remember overwhelmingly cannabis is smoked, so the respiratory diseases that you see with smoking cigarettes would yep. be uh, the same. Uh, certainly, you've got the legal implications. If you get caught with this drug, your life can change. Um, and then I suppose the, the big one has been around mental health. We know that what cannabis can do is it can unlock a mental health problem for those who have pre-existing conditions. It doesn't cause mental health problems so much, but it unlocks it in those who are susceptible. It's interesting. I guess this is probably a good follow-on then um, from, from that answer. So how can you tell if someone's drug use is problematic or it's just a one-off? Yeah, look, I think most probably the, uh, one of the big questions I get asked by parents is, look, I found drugs in my child's room, what do I do? Yeah. And um, the first thing I always say to them is, um, when you've calmed down a bit, uh, say to your child, why are you using this drug? And um, if your child says, um, oh, I'm having fun with my friends, it's, um, I'm having a good time with it, uh, I don't think you should be celebrating your child's using illegal mm. drugs. But uh, on the other hand, if they turn around and they say, I'm using it because I'm depressed, I'm, I'm lonely, uh, life is not good, then that's when all the warning bells uh, go up because you're talking realistically about using drugs to cope. Um, yes. When that happens, that really becomes problematic drug use. The other, I think, incredibly important thing about problematic drug use is, is when you experience, experience problems with your drug use, whatever that, those problems are, and you continue to use yes. even though those problems are, are occurring. Uh, remember, you can ask questions to Paul if you go to the comments section on the Facebook page. Getting lots of questions, Paul. <laughs> you ready? Um, so, what about dealing with different rules when you co-parent? I think this is actually a, such a, an interesting one because obviously there are different rules in different households. Um, so, what? How do you deal with that when it comes to the different approaches to drinking and parties that may be given from each each parent? I think with um, the greater number of um, families that are, you know, uh, broken, uh, broken families where uh, one parent tends to be a little bit more permissive than the other one, this sets up great challenges around alcohol and parties where you do have one parent who's going to, doesn't see their child that much and so they're willing to let them do things that the other one has put very, very strict boundaries around. Mm. The one thing I say to parents who ask me about this and I get asked a lot is, if there's one thing that uh, you should try to agree on, it's this area because your child will manipulate you yep. and silo you to uh, make sure they get what they want. And uh, uh, that's the one, th as I always say to parents, the most important thing you could say here is um, don't come to me, don't go to them, come to us. Yes. Come to both of us and we will make the decision together because what they will do, as I said, they will set you up against one another and that's the one thing you don't want. You don't want that. So we've got a, a good video here where we've spoken to a whole lot of parents about alcohol and teenagers. Let's, let's take a look. They've seen that, um, that we don't uh, overindulge, so I think that's actually 
good that you, you need to be role models. I've always said to them, if you, you know, if you wanna, if you wanna have a drink, please come and talk to me first so that you, uh, you can, we can talk about the safety of that. And, you know, if you, if you drink a bottle of vodka, you can be in serious uh, danger and you can end up in hospital and we don't want that. So we wanna make sure that it's in a, in a safe way. It can be dangerous. It's, it's for adults. Even if you see other teens drinking, even if that person's, if that teen's mum or parent is okay with it, doesn't mean we are. I talk with my kids a lot about what's going on and, you know, and their friends and, and what's, who's doing what and things like that at parties and whatnot. My kids are fairly open and fairly honest with that sort of stuff and we just sort of have general conversations. And I've shown him pictures, I've shown him videos. Uh, to me, it's very important for him to visualise things because they will stay in, in, in his memory. Just talking about them, say drugs are bad, it's just not good enough. If we've got the news on and we're watching the news and there's a story that's come up, I've really talked to them about drugs then. Regardless of what happens, if you're out and you have had a drink or you've taken something, ring me. I won't actually ask questions, but I want you to I want you to know that I will always come and pick you up. We uh, flat out said to him, when do you think you'll start drinking? He goes, oh, probably 17. I'm like, I'm sorry, when's the legal age? 18, so when will you start drinking? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, 18, yeah, that's right. A lot of tips in, in that uh, that video. I mean, from open conversations, role modelling, um, delaying consequences, so your teenagers stay safe. Was there anything that any of those parents said that sort of really stood out to you, Paul? I think one of the most important things that a parent can say is that um, if something goes amiss, call me. Yeah. Um, one of the things I um, I say in almost every parent presentation is uh, every time your child leaves your home, you need to turn around and say, you know, if something goes wrong, you call me anytime anywhere mm. I'll be there uh, and no questions asked yes then there'll be lots of questions asked the next day yes but when it, when tempers are down a little bit but at that point you actually uh, you will be there you can you love your child whatever they do uh, you might not like their behavior but you always always love them it's a really key part of parenting I mean many um, parents have been asked asking about parties and how you sort of how do you host a party? You know, because when you you then have responsibility for potentially maybe a hundred kids in your home, um, you know, how does a parent go about that? You know, safely. Well, I think you've kind of put it beautifully there where you've said, you know, it could be up to 100 young people. Um, this is really the very first generation of, of parents who have actually put on events where they've invited the whole year group mm. to a party. Um, it never used a, to be like that. No, it's a very new <laughs> yes. phenomenon and it has huge implications. I mean, if you're doing it in primary school when there's like 20 young people, 20 in a class, yeah. then you haven't got too much problems. But when they're 150, 200 in a year group... Thank you, social media. Exactly. <laughs> you've got a huge issue. And so I, I think when it, when it comes to, um, you know, hosting a party, it's about, uh, there is lots of websites that actually give very good information about how to host it as safely as possible. You know, registering your party with the police is a, a very important thing to do. Um, and, uh, and certainly um, the most important thing you can do around hosting is getting your child involved with the organising of it. Right. To get them to understand yeah. how much goes into this kind of uh, yeah. event and the planning and forethought that has to go in. And, and what if a teen is going to a party where they're their, their friends have different rules to them. 
Well, that's the reality. I mean, every family is going to deal with uh, almost every kind of social issue in a very different way. And, um, you know, it's really important that uh, whatever, when, wherever your child is going, I always say, you know, the evidence is very clear that there are three simple things that a parent needs to know to either prevent or delay alcohol use or illicit drug use. And they are know where your child is, know who they're with, and know when they'll be home. And so when it comes to parties, that is a key, you know, doing a little bit of digging and finding out what is actually happening mm. uh, there. And do the parents have the same kind of values as you? Yes. Um, of course, they're highly likely not to. There will be differences, but it's about trying to work through that. Remember, you can ask Paul any questions by going to the comments section of this page. So here's a question we've just got in from Tanya. I know my teenager is lying to me about drinking and drugs. I let her go to parties and she says there's nothing there, but I hear from other parents that there is. So how can I get her to be honest with me? Well, I think that's a, that's a really tough one. I don't think uh, if your child is going to lie to you and you know they're lying, uh, I think you have to kind of address that. I think you can't let that go. Mm. Um, and there have to be consequences for lying. Um, but uh, it is tough. I mean, the reality is, uh, you know, parents often say to me, uh, uh, you know, but I trust my child. And I look at them and I say, how old's your child? And they say 15. And I go, you're an idiot. <laughs> I mean, the reality is you can't trust an adolescent. Oh. Um, now, do you have to? Of course you do, because you're going to have to let them grow up and, and, and do things that are going to put them out, out of yours and their comfort zone. Mm. But um, I think when it comes to young, young people blatantly lying to their parents about activity, then you really need to pull that back a little bit. Mm. Because if you absolutely know she's lying, as I said, there needs to be a consequence for yeah. that. I want to move on to sort of the more specifics um, about different drugs. I mean, how dangerous is MDMA? And should I be worried about it with my teenager? Well, That's MD been a question a lot of people have asked. Yeah, look, MDMA is the, uh, the substance you want when you buy ecstasy. So realistically, most parents would have far more kind of um, knowledge around ecstasy. Ecstasy's been around for a long time. But it's MDMA that you actually want. Now, for a very long time, um, when you bought an ecstasy, you weren't really getting MDMA. Uh, it's, it's a notoriously impure drug. That has changed in recent years. We now have high strength MDMA, and uh, certainly that is having huge implications, not only in Australia, but around the world. We're seeing very high strength drugs that are causing, unfortunately, some, some tragedies to occur. Yeah, so I mean, so when you look at, is that sort of drug, is MDMA one of the ones that you're noticing more kids are taking? Yes, certainly. I think, um, you know, we don't want to go down the lines of saying it's an epidemic or, no. you know, trying to uh, scare parents, but certainly we're seeing growing numbers of young people. It's the one drug that I have, I suppose, um, I see as my greatest challenge in being an educator to, to teens. Um, the reality is if someone has tried MDMA, um, usually they've had a, an overwhelmingly positive experience. It's very rare for young people to have a, a negative experience. But uh, uh, now, if you actually try to give the harms after they've had, they've tried this drug and you tell them all the negative things that could happen, mm. uh, they're not going to believe you. Yes. And so it's about trying to pitch the message just before, because if you actually talk about ecstasy, MDMA, too early, uh, they're not even knowing, it's not on their radar, they don't know what you're talking about. So pitching the message at exactly the right time is really hard and sets us huge challenges. Yeah. I mean, and the other, you know, big topic uh, we, we talk about, we hear about, we read about is ice. Um, you know, we hear that we're in the grips of an ice epidemic. Um, 
and you know we read about that so much in the media. Should we really, really be worried about that as, as parents? Realistically, I mean, if you uh, if you work in law enforcement, you work in uh, frontline health, um, ICE continues to be the bane of your life on a daily basis. Uh, where this drug is a problem, it's a significant problem and it's not going to go away anytime soon. When it comes to, uh, you know, school-based young people, the vast majority have not be, are not involved in, mm. in ICE use. Uh, the only exceptions would be little tiny country towns where yeah. they've been decimated by it. But uh, realistically... Uh, if parents want to be worried about something, be worried about alcohol way before ice. I think, you know, get alcohol right and uh, it's really important. Get alcohol right, other things will follow. But yes. if you concentrate on the illicits and uh, think, well, alcohol will follow, uh, it doesn't work doesn't that work. way. And unfortunately, parents find themselves in real difficulty as a result. So we've got a question from um, a young person by the name of Paniora, I hope I pronounced that correctly, who's asking, how can I talk to my parents about alcohol and it just doesn't end up in a shouting match? Yeah, I get asked that a lot. I've got a couple of blogs, one for parents and one for young people. And a lot of kids ask, you know, I want to drink but and I, I want to do it responsibly, but how do I talk about it with my parents? Um, Look, I think it's really important that uh, young people feel that they can have an open and honest dialogue with their parents. Um, it's about fight. It's exactly the same as f for parents. Yes. Find the right time, um, and you know, don't do it when they're in the middle of something. Find a quiet time. Yes. Um, and uh, and be honest. Uh, you know, the vast majority of young people um, really want to do the right thing. They certainly don't want to hurt themselves. They want to look after themselves, look after their friends. If they can communicate that. Now, one of the big questions I get asked is, how can I convince my parents to let me to go to schoolies? Yes. And I always say, well, tell them your plans of how you're going to keep yourself as safe as possible. What are you going to put into place? Yes. Uh, so I think around alcohol, it's the same thing. Um, raising it in that kind of way uh, and say, look, can we have an honest, uh, um, upfront uh, discussion around alcohol? Imagine the amount of parents who just come up to you in the street asking questions. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you know your stuff and you've been talking about it for so long. I have. It's been a long time. <laughs> Helen uh, has just um, written in, I just think that my son needs to wait before he does certain things like drinking and smoking, but how do I get my point across without it turning into a huge argument? So that's from a parent. Yeah, look, I think certainly, and um, she's completely right, the one thing we want to do is to delay early alcohol use, early illicit drug use. That's the most probably, if you can't actually, you know, go for abstinence, then um, yeah. delay is important. And uh, once again, it's about putting rules and boundaries around your expectations, very clearly. And, uh, you know, realistically around alcohol and other drugs, uh, it's going to be the parties that really are the, are the issue. That's yes. where young people are going to be exposed to drinking and certainly exposed to other drug use. And speaking of, of parties, obviously we've got New Year's Eve coming up relatively soon. So how do I talk to my teenager about partying and going out and, and, and staying and playing safe? Yeah, I think once, uh, once again, I think it comes down to that line that I was talking about with uh, young people asking about schoolies. The one little phrase that I think uh, parents should use um, is, it's really simple, but when your child asks you about going to New Year's Eve or going to schoolies or going to any, like a festival or whatever, that simple line, tell me why I shouldn't be worried. It's a really... Yes. A really important line because it puts the onus back onto the young person yeah. to kind of think, what, are you, I, what am I putting into place and my friends putting into place to keep ourselves safe? Yeah, I mean, quick, so, such a simple question, but <laughs> no. actually very, very strong. Time for one more final question. I can't believe we've zipped through this in half an hour. 
What's your number one tip for parents around drugs and alcohol? I think it goes back to what we saw in the video. I think that um, you can put rules, you can put boundaries around uh, your young person. Um, I think people sometimes see that as being too tight, too authoritarian. It doesn't have to be that. Rules, boundaries. Bounded, unconditional love are incredibly important. But the key is making sure your child knows that no matter what they do, uh, you are going to always love them. You yes. might not like what they do, but you will always love them and you will be there for them. Anytime, anywhere, no questions asked. It is such an important, uh, simple little phrase that we need to say to our kids over and over and over again. The number one reason why kids don't call an ambulance in this country is because their parents will find out. It's scared. And that just shouldn't yeah. happen. Kids should feel confident knowing that their, their parent will love them regardless. So you have to keep saying it. Well, Paul, Paul Dillon, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Hope to have you on the show again. Thanks for joining us today. If you found this discussion useful, we'd love it if you could please share the podcast with another parent, subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. Your feedback is valuable and will help us keep making the podcast better and better. And if you want more from Reach Out, head to reachout.com slash parents. We've absolutely loved having you with us for the first four episodes of our podcast. We're having a break over Christmas, but our next episode will be out at the end of January when we'll be talking about body image. It'll be a great conversation, so please subscribe now and don't miss out.